Hello, and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com because there I offer tons of free information about PCOS, how to develop your lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a diva, and you can look for me on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. So if you're a frequent listener to the PCOS Diva podcast, then you know PCOS is associated with chronic low-grade inflammation, regardless of your body weight. And diet and lifestyle can really play an important role in either increasing or decreasing inflammation. So today's guest, registered dietitian Martha McKittrick, is going to share her approach to help you tame the flames of information with your diet and lifestyle choices. So Martha, welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. Thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. So before we get started on today's really important topic, I'm just going to give our listeners a bit of, um, of your background. You're a registered mm -hmm. dietitian. You're a certified diabetes educator, well coach, certified health and wellness coach. With a private practice in New York City, you have over 25 years experience in the field of nutrition, and you specialize in PCOS weight management, cardiovascular health, diabetes, IBS, and preventative nutrition. You have a special interest in nutrition for PCOS. Um, since 2000, and you're considered one of the pioneers of the, of the field as you helped um, Dr. Fortewhite with his, the nutrition section of his book, A Patient's Guide to PCOS, Understanding and Reversing Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome, which is one of um, really the books that helped, really first books that helped me in my journey. And I kind of consider him sort of the godfather of, um, you know, patient, you know, resources for, for women with PCOS. So really what an honor to have contributed to his book. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thanks, Amy. Great to be here. Um, and as you mentioned, I, I did meet Dr. Futterway. It was, it was probably about 15, 17 years ago now. And, um, you know, I just kind of fell into the area of counseling women with PCOS. And um, I was honored to get to write the two nutrition chapters in his book. And I lectured across the country with various organizations on PCOS for women who had it and also for health professionals. I do a lot of lectures for dietitians on PCOS, like helping educate them, you know, exactly what is it and what kind of nutrition guidelines are best. Um, and what I find interesting is, you know, when I first started working in this area, the thought that insulin resistance and PCOS went hand in hand was like a pretty new concept. I think for many years we just thought of it as like a gynecological condition. Um, and, you know, we, now we realize that insulin resistance plays, plays a major role. And when I was doing counseling or even writing for Dr. Futterwhite's book, that's what I focused on was mainly insulin resistance. But since that time, we have learned that um, inflammation also plays an important role in PCOS. 
so when I'm uh, counseling my patients with PCOS, I definitely take into account, you know, factors that can help decrease inflammation. And uh, yeah. inflammation is a hot topic now. You know, it's, it's, in, it's, it's on the news, it's in all kinds of magazines, and, you know, we're hearing anti-inflammatory diets and anti-inflammatory supplements, and inflammation's linked to all these chronic diseases, you know, including, including heart disease, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's disease, and cancer. Um, and what recent research is showing is that inflammation plays a role in PCOS, including insulin resistance and cardiovascular risk disease factors. So I think it's really important that women be aware of um, nutrition and lifestyle tips to decrease inflammation, not just insulin resistance, but let's think about inflammation too. Right, and, and I think that um, kind of getting to understand what level of inflammation is sort of going on in your body is, is really important as well, and we can do that, um, you know, kind of ask um, our doctor and advocate for ourselves for testing to sort of look at our inflammation markers. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe we could talk a little bit about, about that as well. Yeah, what, sure. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, first thing, you know, not all inflammation is bad, okay? Because let's say, for example, if you cut your finger and it gets kind of warm and red, uh, basically what's going on inside is there's been like this inflammatory cascade that's been triggered and your body's kind of repairing the cut in your finger. So we need, we need some inflammation in the body. But what happens is, is when we have chronic inflammation, that's what can increase the risk of disease. And um, Dr. Susan Blum, who wrote the Immune System Recovery Plan, I like her, her kind of quote. She says, think of inflammation as an irritating chemical that's released by your immune cells. If this occurs in an ongoing way, damage occurs and health problems show up in any part of the body. So it's like any part of the body, these problems can occur. So, you know, what I suggest is that, you know, discuss your concern with your physician, and there are certain um, blood tests that they can run that can show if you have any elevated inflammatory markers. And the ones that you would specifically be looking for, uh, the most common one is called a C-reactive protein. Uh, the second one is interleukin-18. Interleukin Third one is monocyte chemoattractant protein number one, and then your white blood cell count. Um, or if you just tell your doctor you want, you want the doctor to run a panel for your inflammatory markers, they, they should be able to do that. Um, and, you know, if it's elevated, you definitely know that you do have a low-grade inflammation in the body. Uh, but even if they're not elevated, you might still have like kind of like a low-line inflama inflammation that's not actually showing up in your blood work. So I really feel that every woman who has PCOS should be following an anti-inflammatory diet. I think all people in general should follow, but especially women who have PCOS. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that we have to shift our thinking. Um, and I think that um, sort of the you know, generalized nutrition information is moving from like that cal calories in, calories out model. Um, that that foods affect our bodies in different ways that, you know, a burger, fries, and a shake that might equal, I don't know, 800 calories is very different from 800 calories 
derived from, you know, plant-based foods. And Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think if we can kind of think about food as um, could either be our greatest form of medicine in a way or, or healing for, for PCOS, but it's also um, the, if we make poor or choices, then it could be sort of our, our um, poison. And we have to sort of really manage our choices, and I think it's important to, to have that knowledge of what foods are inflammatory versus what foods um, you know, are anti-inflammatory. So I was kind of hoping that you could share some of your um, choices to kind of watch, to, to look for and those to watch out for when it comes to food. Sure. And, um, yeah. Sure. Including them in your diet, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, maybe my typical client who has PCOS. You know, I live in New York. We're all stressed out here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so basically, you know, you have a woman who's probably trying to be on a low-carb diet, um, and that probably means that they're eating a lot of protein, you know, probably a lot of animal protein, um, probably has high stress levels in general, uh, just part of life and then maybe partly PCOS, um, someone who's not sleeping enough um, and who has a busy schedule and doesn't really have the time or the energy to sit in this perfectly balanced nutritional diet with adequate fruits and vegetables. Um, so kind of what you have right there is like a setup for inflammation. You know, you have stress, you have inadequate sleep, you have a lot of animal products, um, not enough fruits and vegetables. Um, so that is definitely an inflammatory situation. Um, so what, you know, what you want to do is you want to do everything you can from a nutrition and lifestyle standpoint to help decrease inflammation. Um, and, and studies have definitely shown that women with PCOS do have increased rates of inflammation. They've compared thin women women of average weight and women who are overweight with PCOS compared to women who don't have PCOS. And all the women, even the, the thinner women, still have increased levels of inflammation. I think a lot of times we think of like being overweight as associated with inflammation. And while that is true, women who are more overweight do have higher rates of inflammation. Even thinner women do have inflammation. So I think it's important that everybody follows these guidelines, which I'll go over. Um, so my, my top lifestyle tips to help decrease inflammation, uh, the first one, and I'm sure you've heard this a hundred times, but now I'll say it 101 times, is if you are overweight, even losing a small amount of your of body weight will help decrease your inflammatory markers. So 5% of your body weight, it's not a lot of weight. So just that in itself will help decrease. So, um, you know, let's just say you weighed 170 pounds, that would be losing about 8 pounds. So don't feel like you have to get to this, like, perfect BMI to help increase um, your health overall. So uh, the second one is to try to get enough sleep. And this is a tough one. I just think we're being pulled in so many different directions. You know, we're working long hours at work, family, social obligations trying to fit in exercise, all this stuff going on, and then stress, which, which might help um, decrease the quality of your sleep. 
most of my patients do not get adequate sleep or they have a poor sleep, uh, poor sleep quality. And this, studies have shown that this does increase inflammatory markers. Um, so do everything you can to try to work on your sleep. You know, turn the computers off an hour before bedtime. Um, yeah, and I also wanted to, you know. Oh, I, I just wanted to add quickly that, um, that women with PCOS are also at an elevated risk of sleep apnea. Um, so if you're snoring in your sleep, you know, you might um, want to talk to your doctor about that. Um, and I, I could tell you so many of my clients that I've heard from that have had a sleep study and have gone um, and had treatment with a CPAP machine, they say that their, their life has, like, changed dramatically for the better um, and the qual because of the quality sleep that they're getting um, be due to, you know, treatment for that sleep apnea. So I just wanted to to put that out totally, there. Totally, totally. And, and CPAP machines have come a long way. <laughs> They're not like mm -hmm. quite as large as they used to be. Um, but that, that's a really important point. Um, so if you're having trouble, you know, if your partner says it's almost like you kind of start breathing in your sleep for a minute, uh, or if you're having trouble sleeping, definitely just seek some medical attention for that. And make sleep a priority. You know, turn down some social obligations. Um, sleep is so important for everything. They've also done studies on inadequate sleep with obesity. I mean, if you don't sleep enough, it can make it be more difficult to lose weight and increases your risk of diabetes and heart disease. So sleep is like a hot topic now. Uh, the next tip is um, stress management. You know, again, easier said than done, but chronic elevated um, chronic stress will increase cortisol levels, which will influence your insulin levels and your metabolism and it increases chronic inflammation in your body. Uh, there's been a lot of research done on this, um, especially, you know, with depression and stress. Um, there's a rise in the C-reactive protein, which increases risk of heart disease. So easier said than done, but try to find ways that you can to manage your stress, you know, whether it's meditation or reading a book or talking to a friend who is, you know, a good listener and, you know, avoiding irritating situations as much as you can, but you really want to take care of your mental health. Um, the next tip is quit smoking. If you smoke, I think we all know smoking is bad. Uh, I don't think as many people smoke now as they used to, but smoking will definitely increase inflammation. Um, and now moving on to my area of expertise, which is the nutrition part of it. Um, I'm sure everybody's heard of the Mediterranean diet, um, and basically what that is, it's a very anti-inflammatory diet, and it contains an abundance of vegetables, beans like chickpeas, black beans, fruits, grains, and it has a high ratio of monounsaturated fat to saturated fat, and it has a lot of omega-3 fats versus omega-6 fats and I'm going to talk about that more in a second. But this is a very anti-inflammatory diet um, compared to the typical Western diet that tends to be higher in animal protein um, in refined or processed carbohydrates and sugar. So most experts, most experts believe that the Mediterranean diet is really the diet of choice for, for, for decreasing chronic inflammation. So what does this diet actually consist of? Uh, omega-3 fats, 
I'm sure everybody's heard of that. Um, that is the kind of fat that is found in fatty fish, like salmon, uh, sardines, herring, um, any kind of fish that, that's higher in fat. And basically, these kinds of fats are anti-inflammatory. You can also get it from a vegetable source, um, plant-based source, which would be walnuts, flax seeds, omega-enriched eggs, and leafy greens. Uh, they have a lot less omega-3 than the fish, but they do have some. Um, basically, so these kinds of fats are converted into prostaglandins, and different types of prostaglandins either increase or decrease inflammation. And the omega-3 fats actually decrease inflammation. Um, I recommend if you do not consume fatty fish to consider taking a fish oil supplement, uh, an omega-3 supplement to help get you those healthy omega-3 fats. Yeah, um, and, the and next I one. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, um, would you mind sort of clarifying the difference between the um, kind of veg vegetable-derived omega-3s and more of the fish, you know, the, the ALA and... Um, yeah, the, that's a the, good question. Yeah. Okay. Good question. Um, yeah, any of, those, any of the omega-3s that come from a plant source, are called alpha-linolenic acids, and it's a much weaker form of the omega-3 fats. You need like 10 of the alpha-linolenics to convert to one of the omega-3s. So it's pretty much impossible for the most part to meet your omega-3 needs if you're just getting it from the walnut flax seeds and the omega-enriched eggs. Um, so that's why I do recommend that you try to get in you know, a real omega-3 source, either from the fatty fish or from a fish oil supplement. And it is recommended that you, you would have fatty fish, you know, three or four times a week, which I think a lot of people don't do, you know, especially with some concerns about some contamination in fish. So you're probably best off taking a fish oil supplement. Um, and if you did that, I would recommend a high-grade uh, fish oil supplement, and you would want to take about two grams a day um, of the omega threes. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so uh, the next tip, part of the Mediterranean diet, would be to consume green leafy vegetables. And um, pretty much, I mean, all vegetables contain something nutritious about them, but the green leafy ones are especially nutritious. They contain um, powerful antioxidants and flavonoids and um, vitamin C. These all help protect against cellular, cellular damage and help decrease uh, inflammation. Uh, when possible, try and get like locally grown vegetables, um, organic if you can. I'm not fanatical about organic, but you know I would just rather see you eat vegetables in general. But if you can get organic, that's always best. Uh, but definitely you want to get in a wide variety of vegetables, include some leafy green vegetables in there. Um, the next one is fruits. And I know a lot of you know, women with PCOS are kind of wary of fruits because they do contain carbohydrates. Uh, but most fruits actually, believe it or not, are, are, have a lower glycemic load um, or a glycemic index than some grains. Um, because it contains some fructose in it. But fruits, you know, especially the berries, I'm a huge fan of strawberries, blueberries, um, you know, even citrus like oranges, and even something like cherries, which are sweet, 
but they contain a lot of antioxidants and polyphenols, and these, again, are high anti-inflammatory effects in the body. So you want to try and find a way to fit them in. And if you are on a low-carb diet, you know, maybe make some of your carbs come from fruit versus grains. Um, the next one is include spices in the, in, into the, the diet. And, you know, I think this is something a lot of us don't really think about. You know, maybe you just use like salt and pepper or garlic, but, you know, spices including turmeric and ginger, uh, garlic, basil, um, cayenne pepper, rosemary, sage, nutmeg, oregano, thyme. These all have strong anti-inflammatory properties. So, you know, spice up your food. You know, you'll, not only will you make it taste good, but you're giving your body something healthy. Yeah, that's a great point, and it's and yep. and I think when when people aren't used to eating vegetables and you know lots of plant-based food, I think they think of like the the canned green beans that you know, <laughs> they, they grew up <laughs> right. eating. Um, but you can right. really make right. vegetables um, taste delicious, and a lot of times it's just adding some delicious spices and herbs, like like you mentioned. Absolutely, and you know if that's not your thing, Google it and find some recipes. If you're not used to doing right. something like that, um, you know, but there's lots of great resources out there on the internet where you can find some really interesting recipes. Um, and then the next thing is um, fer fermented vegetables and cultured foods, and this is something you know. I know I didn't really grow up on eating kimchi and kefir and, and fermented pickles and all that, but, you know, the area of gut health, and I'm sure, Amy, you've done lots of podcasts on gut health, um, but this is, like, really where, where I think a lot of nutrition research is heading in this direction. And what we're finding out is that the immune system really starts in the gut. And if you can feed your gut healthy foods, you can um, improve your immune system, and you can help decrease inflammation. So, you know, some examples of fermented foods would be kefir, and, and that's, that's almost like a yogurt, it's like a fermented yogurt drink, but you would want to get the plain one, not the one that's loaded with sugar. A lot of them have a lot of sugar in them. Uh, kimchi, um, I'm, I'm like addicted to kimchi now. Um, basically, this is like fermented cabbage. But if you go to your local health food store, they have all different kinds of fermented vegetables. They have one that I love. It's fermented carrots with ginger. Delicious. Um, yeah, and, and I just wanted to point out to listeners that I have a great podcast with Summer Bach um, about this very topic. Um, she's a master fermentationist. And um, since I um, spoke with her, this is, gosh, a couple years ago, I think, I medicinally take a couple fork food, forkfuls of raw sauerkraut every day. And mm. um, there's a brand that I really like. It's called Micro Mamas. I think you can kind of get it on the East Coast. They have it at, on, um, at my Whole Foods. But they also have a carrot and cinnamon. Um, mm. And it's delicious. And you don't have to eat a lot. It's just, you know, fermented foods like that were were meant to, you know, not like as a main side dish, but kind of like as a, um, like a, a, a little addition to your meal, and that's really all it takes. So, uh, yeah, you know, if this 
the sauerkraut or what kind of scares you, don't don't let it. It's just you know try a forkful a day, and and for, especially those those divas struggling with acne can really improve the the quality of your skin. Um, so give it a try. Yeah, it's really good. You can even make it yourself too. Did did that person who was in your podcast did they kind of talk about how to make it? Yeah, and she actually has an online course that's really great about how to make fermented vegetables, and it's not that expensive. So um, that's something to look at as well. Yeah, because when you because I know when I do buy it in my health food store, it's not it's not inexpensive. Um, it's like I think it might be like ten dollars for a little bottle, but if you make it, it's very inexpensive. Uh, the one thing I want to point out is make sure that it's a real. Um, it has like live live cultures in it and it's really yeah. fermented. Sometimes, for example, like there can be pickles that are fermented, but you can also buy, you know, pick pickles in a jar that have vinegar in them and they're not really fermented. So look for like the live, raw, fermented type uh, products. And, and these products all contain probiotics, which we've all heard of, and that's when you're giving your body the good bacteria. Um, but again, this is important and it can help decrease inflammation. Um, the next tip to help decrease inflammation is to try to include some green tea in the diet. Studies have shown that green tea can help decrease inflammation. Um, and, you know, that's something that we're looking for. So kind of to summarize, it's, you know, even losing 5% of your body weight can help. Work on your sleep. Uh, work on your stress levels. Quit smoking if you smoke and then follow the anti-inflammatory diet where you're having plenty of omega-3 fats, taking a supplement if needed, also getting in some of those vegetable alpha-linolenic uh, omega-3 fats. Um, make sure your plate is half vegetables, focus on green leafy vegetables, uh, spice up your food, and then uh, look at some antioxidant-rich fruits such as berries, uh, citrus, Foods, uh, fruits as well, and then the fermented vegetables um, and cultured foods like kefir, and then green tea. So those are the top tips to help decrease inflammation. So now I want to go over what foods actually can fuel inflammation. Uh, the first one, which I'm sure you've all heard thousands of times, um, high glycemic index and high glycemic load carbohydrates. And, you know, we know these are kind of the bad guys when it comes to insulin. Um, but also when it comes to increasing inflammation, you know, they've done studies where they've said people higher glycemic index and load carbs and their inflammatory markers do go up. So here's another reason why you want to limit those foods. Um, so that's the first one. And basically, I'm sure everybody kind of knows what this this, are, this is, but it's mainly sugary foods. It tends to be highly processed carbohydrates, a lot of white carbohydrates, um, juices. You know, these are the foods that have the higher glycemic index and loads, whereas carbohydrates such as vegetables, um, whole grains, beans, legumes, um, and most fruits have a lower glycemic index or load. I'm kind of a fan of looking at the glycemic load versus the index because the load takes into account how much carbohydrate is actually in a food. Like here's an example. Uh, watermelon has a fairly 
high glycemic index. But when you look at the glycemic load, it's actually very low. It's because watermelon has so much water in it that you would have to eat a ton of watermelon to really make it raise, shoot your blood sugar up. So I think that's an even better chart to look at. And there's a lot of good charts on the internet that you can look up to look at the glycemic load of foods. Um, the next, the next um, kind of food that can increase inflammation, I think this is something a lot of us don't really think about much. It's called um, advanced glycation end product. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll shorten that for AGE. And what that is, it's, it's foods that have been fried or charred. So like, you know, you have that, you, know, you have a barbecue going in and you're getting your chicken on the grill and it's getting all charred. <laughs> or foods that are deep fried, um, as well as like sugary foods and highly processed carbohydrates. So basically, these foods, there's, um, they produce this product, again, called the advanced glycation end product. And these are harmful components that can, they can be a major cause of inflammation in the body that can increase risk of insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. And they've been in, implicated in the development and progression of various metabolic and chronic diseases, including PCOS. Um, if you do a, a, you know, a Google search on PCOS and these AGEs, you will find a fair amount of research out there. So there's something about um, these, these um, detrimental products that could increase our risk of PCOS or worsen PCOS. They, you need, they need to do more research in this area, but in the meantime, Again, this is another reason to avoid sugary and processed little packaged carbohydrate type foods. And also to be careful with how you're cooking your protein. Um, you want to try not to cook it at a, at a really, really high heat or to have things get charred. Um, maybe if you're, if you're you know, going to grill something, maybe pre-cook it first and then cook it more quickly on the grill so it's not getting charred. You can also cook something with a moist heat, like maybe you know, poaching chicken or um, having a shorter cooking time. Uh, and also if you use an acidic ingredient such as vinegar or lemon juice, if you marinate the, the chicken or the meat in that before you cook it, that can also help decrease the amount of the uh, AGEs. Uh, there's a good website called agefoundation.com that talks a lot more about this and gives you cooking tips and, and ways to help decrease this. But I think this is an area that a lot of women with PCOS wouldn't even think of, really. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I haven't checked out that resource yet, so I'll have to um, get on there after our call. And I, I, I love the idea of you know, the marinating. Um, cause you know, as we're recording this podcast, we're getting into that summer barbecue season, um, you know, certainly for people who are in the U.S., so it's really important to know, know that information. Exactly. And also cooking plant foods, plant-based foods, do not contain the AGEs like um, the meat products do. So, you know, if you were to, you know, cook even some vegetables on the grill or, you know, portobello mushrooms or something like that, or even fish, it's going to have less of it as the red meat and the poultry. 
And and what uh, do you yeah. think about um, like I know we you had mentioned you know with the Mediterranean diet you're not eating as much um, animal based um, food, but what do you think about conventional um, raised you know meat versus organic kind of grass fed? Do you think that there's a difference in terms of um, inflammation? Yeah, I, I definitely do. I definitely okay. do. I think whenever you can get um, get access to grass-fed, um, hormone-free beef or, or um, you know, a same kind of thing, hormone-free chicken, but definitely if you can get the grass-fed beef, it does contain more of the, um, it has an alpha-linic acid because the, the cattle are fed on grass versus corn or soy. Yeah, so I'm definitely a fan of that, and then if you can get, like, wild salmon versus farm-raised salmon. Not everybody has access to that all the time, but when you can, I would definitely recommend you try to do it. Mm. And I find that Costco is a good source for, um, yeah, okay. uh -huh. you know, less expensive, you know, organic meats. That's kind of where yeah, yeah. one of my go-to places when I got, I've got two hungry teenage boys to feed, and it really does get expensive. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet. Um, okay, the next tip is to limit saturated fat, which is found in whole milk dairy products, fatty red meat, and butter. Saturated fat has been linked to an increase in inflammation. Uh, and this is something, again, women who are on very low-carbohydrate diets want to pay attention to. I see lots of women loading up on, you know, lots of meat and, and butter, um, that kind of thing, and not enough plant-based type foods. Um, the next one is interesting, is too much omega-6 fats might increase inflammation in the body. And omega-6 fats are everywhere. And a lot of health experts believe that we are consuming inadequate amounts of omega-3 fats and we're having way too much omega-6 fats. Omega-6 fats are found in corn oil, sunflower oil, soybean oil, peanut oil, uh, safflower, grapeseed, uh, mayonnaise, a lot of salad dressings. If you go home and look at your, your bottle of salad dressing in, in your refrigerator, chances are it has one of these oils in there. Um, so what you want to try and do is, you know, don't, don't be fat phobic. I want you to eat fat, but I would prefer that you're getting more of the healthier anti-inflammatory types of fats that you would get in extra virgin olive oil, that you would get in nuts, um, natural nut butter like almond butter, avocado, uh, and the fatty fish. Like those are the healthier kinds of fats versus the omega-6s. Um, it gets a little confusing, all these different kinds of fats. You know, we have the saturated fat, now we have omega-6 fats. Uh, the next fat I want to touch briefly on, although I think it's being kind of wiped out, it's being removed from products, is partially hydrogenated oils or fats. And I'm from New York, and our mayor, Mayor Bloomberg, years ago banned trans fats in New York City. So I believe they're going to be banned, like, everywhere. But um, excess uh, trans fats or partially hydrogenated fats are very inflammatory. So you want to make sure that you look at the food labels on some of your products and just make sure you don't see that word partially hydrogenated fats. They tend to be in like uh, flavor, like coffee creamers, um, 
you know, stick margarine, which I don't think anybody's really using much anymore these days. Um, even some like uh, yogurt might have it. Um, some brands of peanut butter might have it. Uh, fried food, so you want to avoid that like the plague. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about is um, individual food sensitivities may trigger um, an, Im an immune-based reaction, which can lead to inflammation. And this is, a, you know, kind of a tricky one. Um, like, Amy, I know you are anti-gluten and anti-dairy, uh, correct? Well, I well definitely gluten. I think for most women, it's it's inflammatory, but that doesn't mean go out mm -hmm. and you know start buying gluten-free cookies and right you know, use gluten-free right. you know refined flours. And then in, when it comes to dairy, you know I I think grass-fed butter is is great. I think it's more of like uh -huh. that the the casein um, you know in in dairy because I find most most women with PCOS that I've encountered are like addicted to cheese, and I think that that casein. Um, is really inflammatory for a lot of women, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. you know there's you know other reasons I don't love dairy as well, but um, yeah, so kind of like low dairy diet is yeah. what I yeah. recommend. You know, I'm kind of you know I'm kind of open-minded on this. I really depend on my patient paying attention to how they feel. Uh, yeah. For example, I was working with a woman and she. Um, she was doing everything we talked about, you know, she was on a really anti-inflammatory diet. She changed her diet dramatically, cut out cold cuts, and her diet looked really, really good. And she didn't have any real GI issues, but she just was feeling kind of off. So she did an experiment, and she cut out gluten, and she listened to her body, and two weeks later she said, I feel amazing. She said, I feel absolutely fantastic. So she probably had a food sensitivity to gluten. Um, you know, what you could do if you were concerned about this, number one, is you can you could ask your doctor for to get an allergy test. You know, they can see if you are truly allergic to certain foods, certain proteins, whatever. So that's that's like conventional medicine. Um, the second thing you could do, you could get food sensitivity testing. I live in New York, we are not allowed to do it in New York State, so my patient would have to cross the border to go to Connecticut or New Jersey to get tested. But they do have food sensitivity testing. A really good organization is called LEAP LEAP Testing. And if you look at the website, you can find a LEAP certified therapist who can have you tested for food sensitivities. And they're probably one of the best, probably one of the best tests out there. But what else you can do if you don't want to go through all that is experiment. You know, yeah. if you think you have an issue with certain foods, cut it out. Cut it out for two weeks. See, do you feel better? You know, and only cut out one thing at a time. You know, you can't cut out two things, but maybe cut out dairy or, you know, cut out gluten or whatever, MSG. Um, and see, do you feel better? Then, then you know that you, maybe you do have a real issue. And maybe you could challenge yourself, just cut, you know, put it back in one day, have a lot of it. If you get symptoms, you know you probably have a food sensitivity. And again, this could trigger inflammation if you keep eating a food that you're sensitive to. So I'm really open-minded to, to women paying attention to their own bodies. I think everybody's different. Um, and then, of course, if you get a lot of gas or bloating after you have something like you know, a dairy, like a milk or something, that's lactose intolerant. That's not the same thing as a food sensitivity like I'm talking about, which is more immune-based, but, but listen to your body. Yeah, and, so and those I are, just want to 
um, quickly just point out that I just did a podcast with Dr. Margaret Nicholas about the food um, sensitivity testing. So if you could also check out that ah, resource. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so I, I think there's ask, a lot. That, go ahead. Oh, I just um, I was going to just ask you. You know, what are your thoughts on exercise and inflammation? I I find that a lot of women are you know doing you know signing themselves up for half marathons and you know these <laughs> like these kind of like the single exertion long distance running that I think can be really inflammatory. Um, and a lot of these yeah. women say, you know, I don't know what's going on. I'm running every day training, and I'm putting on weight. Um, and, you know, I do think that there's sort of this inflammation factor that we have to look at in terms of exercise as well. You know, it's funny that you say that because right now I'm training for this absurd bike race. It's, it's uh, 100 miles. It's like up like all these hills in, in New York State and Bear Mountain. And I did like a training ride this past weekend of like 70 miles, and I feel like I'm a mess. <laughs> I feel like my entire body is inflamed. I can barely walk. So, um, but but I you know I absolutely believe that that too much exercise can trigger inflammation. Absolutely, and I see the same thing you do, Amy. I see women who are like really gun ho and they want to go out and they want to beat their PCOS, and they're going to spend hours in the gym and. And I just, I just don't think it's, it's doing anything. I think if anything, it could, it could be hurting you. And I do think it can be increasing inflammation. So I think we need to find a middle ground. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, what is, what, what is a middle ground? I mean, I do believe adding a weight training component is important, mm -hmm. and then a, a cardio or aerobic component, um, component, but not going overboard. You know, get your steps in, get up and move. That's important for insulin resistance. Um, and but but don't go overboard with the exercise. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So those so, are my tips. Yeah, well, you know what? There was really some great tips. I hope that that listeners will take at least one, you know, one thing and apply it. I mean, it, it's it's um, one thing to listen to these podcasts, but you have to take action and you know, apply these really wonderful ideas from our experts to your life. So, you know, think about what, what you're going to take away from um, Martha's podcast today. But Martha, I want you also to tell us, you know, where, where can we find you online? Um, somebody listening wants to work with you, you know, how can they, how can they find you? Sure, more about sure. Um, my website is called MarthaMcKittrickNutrition.com. And when you go to my website, um, one of the tabs on the top says PCOS. And if you click on that, you will see a little bit about me and my background with PCOS. But I also have a blog, which is um, under that, that tab. And it's called PCOS Nutrition and Lifestyle Solutions. And I just started the blog about a month ago. But I am putting articles up there, practical tips to help you deal with PCOS, you know, eating tips, exercise tips, stress management tips. So you can get a lot of information there. Um, all my contact information is on my website. And I do specialize in PCOS and weight management, um, diabetes, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, I, I'm kind of known for giving really practical information, um, something that you'll be able to follow, something that's realistic. And then I also have a, a Facebook page called PCOS Nutritionist Martha McKittrick. And I'll be putting a lot of information on that page as well. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for listening to the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you might be listening to the show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I'd love to hear from you. If you think of someone else that might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And please don't forget to sign up for my free newsletter. It goes out every Thursday. Just enter your email at pcosdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. I look forward to being with you again soon. Bye-bye.